You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over updates in campus news and explain how Poudre School District delayed classes due to icy conditions. I go over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies. And we hear from Nick Hyman from the city of Fort Collins about Winter Bike to Work Day. After that, Coda explains how the U.S. is sending troops to Eastern Europe due to rising tensions between Ukraine and Russia. Then we hear from Chabad President Chaya Geltzer and CSU professor and Chabad rabbi Yerachmil Gorelik about Shabbat 200. After that, Eliza Droder gives an overview on CSU athletics. To conclude today's show, Coda explains some updates on technology with information on how artists and podcasters are removing their content from Spotify. Let's move right into campus and local news. Now on to our campus news for Thursday, February 3rd. Colorado State University canceled classes on Wednesday, February 2nd, as winter storms took over most of the Front Range. Stay tuned to hear Coda Babcock's updates on weather later in the show. CSU's men's basketball team will be taking on San Diego State University in a home game on Friday. The game starts at 7 p.m. and tickets are available online. Be sure to tune in in about 20 minutes to hear Eliza Drotar's updates on all CSU sports later in the episode. Colorado State University researchers teamed up with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife researchers in a study led by the University of Minnesota. The study was published in Nature Ecology and Evolution and explains how hunting can change virus evolution. According to CSU Source News, The study traces the transmission of feline immunodeficiency virus in pumas using DNA to identify patterns of evolution across puma viral genomes. The research has implications for COVID-19 following impossible wildlife-to-human transmission. After studying this over a 10-year period, it was found that hunting significantly changed the dynamic of disease transmission. Overall, researchers said that wildlife management can also change the dynamic and that enhanced disease surveillance should be instated. For more information on this, visit source.colostate.edu. Now on to local news. Fort Collins Foothills Mall said that they had their best year in 2021 since its renovation in 2017. The mall almost went through foreclosure until new owners bought the mall in 2021. Loveland developer McWinney and venture venture partner Prism Places bought the property without disclosing the price they paid. Taxable sales and sales tax also went up nearly 2% for the mall compared to pre-pandemic levels. According to Pat Ferrier of the Coloradoan, the mall is still struggling to create as much revenue as expected during its renovations. If McWinney were to add more of a mix to the tenant's shop in the mall, the mall could see a positive shift in revenue. The new ownership team hopes to reveal their future vision for the property this spring. For more information, visit coloradoan.com. A man was struck and killed by a train on Tuesday night. The incident happened around 6 p.m. and an investigation is still ongoing as officials investigate how the pedestrian was struck. According to Sadie Swanson of the Coloradoan, The length of the train caused the intersection of Horsetooth and McClellan to be blocked for several hours. Fort Collins police are asking that if anyone has any information on the incident to call Ken Kosky at 970-416-2229. 
Cooter School District and Thompson Valley School District both had delayed starts today as cold and icy conditions persisted through Wednesday. The Larimer County District Attorney's Office announced their involvement with the National Prosecutorial Performance Indicators, also known as the PPI Initiative. In a press release from Jody Lacey, the Public Information Officer for the office, she stated that seven other district attorneys are partnering with PPI and the University of Denver, Colorado's Evaluation and Action Lab that tracks data such as recidivism rates and charging rates by race and ethnicity. Lacey stated that although the office's main priority is still to address serious crime, this uses community input to focus their diversion, treatment options, and minimizing unnecessary punitiveness. For more information on this, visit Larimer.org. Thanks for listening to my campus and local news updates. Make sure to always tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM. Girl, I'm feeling some college radio vibes. Oh, I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz. And KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team started their season 14-5, winning against Fresno State 78-67, and winning their next game at home against Nevada 66-77. Their next game is against New Mexico. In men's basketball, the team is going 16-3, beating Nevada 66-77, then a loss to UNLV, 88-74, and a loss to Wyoming on Monday of 78-84. In track and field, the men's and women's team competed in the Colorado Invitational in Boulder, and the Rams came home with many podium finishers. Congrats to Tom Williams, Billy Carr, Liam Mathers, Cameron Ross, Lauren Gale, Jalen Jasper, Jazaria Davis, Tom Oates, and the men's 4x400-meter relay team on their podium finishes. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csuram.evenue.net to get tickets for basketball, softball, and every other sport that we have on campus. My name's Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM. I'm here in studio with Nick Hyman from the city of Fort Collins, and he's going to tell me a little bit about Winter Bike to Work Day. 
To start off, will you tell me about what you do for the city of Fort Collins? Yeah. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm a specialist in our Active Modes program. Active Modes is all about uh, walking, bicycling, scooting, rolling, even running, um, anything that helps us move around without using a car. So my job is to create programs and special events that encourage people to uh, get out of a car and try something different to get around town. Perfect. That sounds amazing. So what exactly is Winter Bike to Work Day? Winter Bike to Work Day is an event that encourages people to go car-free uh, to, to get wherever their destination might be during the, the day of the event. Um, and in Fort Collins, this will be our 15th Winter Bike to Work Day. The idea is that we can show people that riding a bicycle, even in winter, can be fun. We'll have hot breakfast, hot food located all throughout the community, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, with hopes that people will try it now and realize that riding a bicycle in Fort Collins is something that you can do all year round. Yeah, so Bike to Work Day is typically a summer event when the weather is a bit nicer. And you are just talking about how you've been doing Winter Bike to Work Day for the past 15 years. So why does the city choose to participate in a winter event like this? That's a great question. And in fact, we will host our 34th annual Summer Bike to Work Day in June this year. Uh, so Winter Bike to Work Day hasn't been around quite as long as the summer version. But we have seen a, a surge of momentum around winter bicycling, not just in the state of Colorado, across the country, and in fact, the world. Um, Fort Collins has historically hosted Winter Bike to Work Day on the second Wednesday in December. But we heard some folks, uh, heard from folks, especially at CSU, that that time doesn't necessarily work. And we wanted to align with International Winter Bike to Work Day, which is hosted on the second Friday in February. So February 11th, 2022. Yeah. So uh, will walking commuters and other residents who choose alternative forms of transportation besides bikes be able to participate in this event as well? Absolutely. In fact, we've updated the official name of the event to Bike to Work or Wherever Day with the assumption that working means a lot of different things these days. People may not work a quote-unquote traditional 9-to-5 job. Maybe folks are uh, going to work later in the afternoon or maybe they're just getting off of work. Maybe they're not working at all. Uh, and we want to broaden the scope of our event to, to make sure that people who um, are working different types of jobs, not working at all, maybe in school can participate. And the fact that we have adapted our program from what was historically called FC bikes to active modes uh, really hones into the idea that walking, scooting, uh, rolling, even taking transit are all ways that we can go car free uh, in pursuit of what really it comes down to is climate action goals. What are some other things being offered to residents who participate in Bike to Work Day? By participating in Bike to Work Day, um, you get to be a part of what many people call Fort Collins' favorite unofficial holiday. So not only is getting out to celebrate a fun time, um, but it's a, an opportunity to make connections with other people who are out uh, on the trails and bikeways. Maybe they're folks who have never gotten on a bicycle for transportation. Maybe they're folks that have been riding a bicycle for years and years. So there's the opportunity for camaraderie, which is really cool and really important. The other part is the connection to local businesses and organizations that value bicycling and the culture of bicycling in Fort Collins. 
Um, you may not be aware that Fort Collins is one of only five platinum-designated bicycle-friendly communities in the entire country. So we're at the very top of tr in terms of bicycle-friendly communities. And our culture that comes with being at the very top is unparalleled. So it's uniquely Fort Collins. It's something that this community has embraced for a long time. And I would encourage every listener to trade four wheels for two or a scooter or uh, even rollerblades or a skateboard or longboard um, this winter, but also in the summer too, to give active transportation a shot. Yeah, I agree with you. And how has Fort Collins worked to promote alternative transportation to its residents? We have designed our program uh, what many folks kind of refer to as the five E's. And so thinking of the five E's is a comprehensive approach that our program has taken, that the city of Fort Collins has taken, and that other communities have taken as well. It involves engineering, building good places, safe places for people to ride a bike or walk. It involves encouragement, encouraging through incentives or through special programming for people to get out. It involves education so that people know what the rules are, how to follow the rules, and why we teach people the things that we do. It involves equity, making sure that the programs that we design are tailored to specifically people who may have not participated in this type of program before. And finally, evaluation, checking numbers and making sure that what we thought was a good idea actually turned out uh, with the results that we wanted, be it uh, <clears throat> participation in special events, uh, dollars spent on infrastructure. Um, so the five E's is, is how we have built our programming. As I was reading about Bike to Work Day, I did see that a breakfast station will be available afterwards. So can you tell me a little bit about where these stations will be located? Bike to Work or Wherever Day includes uh, various breakfast stations that are hosted by local businesses and organizations that pop up all around town. We'll have uh, a printable map as well as an online map for participants to take a look at, um, hopefully by the end of this week, certainly before the actual event itself next week. Um, this will give you an idea of where all of the stations are. This winter on February 11th, we'll see 35 stations. In the summer, we see about double that, which is pretty typical. Um, but the stations, of course, there's going to be some in, in typical locations like Oak Street Plaza and quite a few downtown. There'll be one at the south end of the Oval on campus. But there's also some down along Harmony Road and over on the west, uh, like by Rollin Moore Park, for example. And this is free to all participants? Absolutely 100% free. Um, in fact, we don't endorse uh, the sale of any type of swag items for participants, uh, you know, let alone breakfast, too. So yeah. show up on a bike, uh, in your walking shoes, um, and you'll score free breakfast at any one of our 35 breakfast stations while supplies last. You know, that does not sound like a bad deal right there. Bike to work, get free food afterwards. What else can you ask for? <laughs> hey, I'm not asking for anything else. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Okay, and then I also heard that a bike from Work Bash will be happening later that same day. Can you also tell me about this? Our friends at Bike for Collins, a local bike advocacy nonprofit, uh, typically host what we call the Bike from Work Day Bash. And I can't take a lot of credit for this. Um, our friends at Bike for Collins, in partnership with Odell and the OBC Wine Project, um, really lead the Bike from Work Day Bash. So from four to six at the uh, OBC Wine Project, right next to the main Odell Brewing uh, Brewery, um, there'll be live music and tons of giveaways from local businesses like Otterbox, Brave New Wheel, 
I was going to pull some others out of the, off the top of my head. Um, there'll be giveaways. Um, there'll be, there'll be a drawing for free prizes from some local businesses like Brave New Wheel and Otterbox, among others, in addition to live music and keeping that camaraderie flowing from the time that the sun rises all the way through and beyond to the time that the sun sets. Well, that also sounds amazing. And can you also tell me if this event, or how does this event help Fort Collins's sustainability agenda? That's a great question. So I mentioned our climate action goals. And so, so much of what the city does is guided by what we call our climate future. This is our most recent update to our climate action plan. What we know in Fort Collins is that after energy production, the transportation sector or transportation system accounts for the second most greenhouse gases in our community. If we want to realize a vision of being a sustainable community where we're net, you know, net zero in terms of carbon production, um, then we have to take on our transportation system. Active transportation, like walking, bicycling, even taking transit, are all ways to get people out of single occupancy vehicles, which is probably our biggest concern, driving a car alone, because of the cost that it takes um, in not just maintenance, but in filling up your car with gas, and then the greenhouse gases that are produced from combusting gasoline. So if you can imagine a way to move around without using gas, you're on a much better track towards reaching our sustainability goals and helping us as a community come together um, so that we can address the climate crisis. You know, that's also great because I was reading that Fort Collins is 17th worst in the nation for ozone levels. So it's amazing that the city is working towards trying to fix that. And is there anything else you would like to add today about bike to work whenever day? Bike to work or wherever day is a great opportunity to get out and have some fun. Um, we know that a lot of employers uh, may give a little bit of flexibility. And it, we know that a lot of employers might give a little bit of flexibility, meaning that you could show up maybe a few minutes late, maybe in a little bit more casual attire. It's certainly something to check with your supervisor or your employer before you make that assumption. But because this is such a celebration in, in our community, um, we hope that people might get out the door a little bit early, uh, might be able to check in on some of the flexibility that they may have at their ultimate destination. And even if you're not going to work, get on a bike, get on a skateboard, pick up a scooter, and just go have fun. It's one of the most fun days I think that we have in this community. Of course, there's a lot of fun things you can do. But a certain, but of course, and certainly in the winter, when it's chilly, when there's not as much sunshine, getting a little bit of physical activity, I think really helps me feel better. I hope that's the case for a lot of our participants and community members. Well, everyone, you heard Nick. Please participate in this event. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming into the studio today, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Ellie.
Hi, this is Pastor PJ, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to National News for Thursday. Officials said around 3,000 new troops will be sent into Eastern Europe to protect nearby areas from the fallout of border tensions between Russia and Ukraine. According to Phil Stewart and Dmitry Antonov at the Associated Press, Moscow deployed over 100,000 troops near Ukraine's borders and threatened military action if Russia's demands are not met. Around 1,000 U.S. service members stationed in Germany will be sent to Romania. 1,700 troops stationed in North Carolina will be sent to Poland and another 300 North Carolina troops will be sent to Germany. In response to the announcement of these new plans, President Joe Biden said these actions were consistent with what he warned Russian President Vladimir Putin about prior to the decision. Biden intends to use this action to support and reassure NATO allies of their safety during potential conflict. In addition to showing support for allies, Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said this also shows Putin that the U.S. and its allies value NATO as part of Russia's demands involve NATO. A Capitol rioter pleaded guilty to charges of civil disorder, theft of government property, and entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. According to the Associated Press, 25-year-old Aaron Mostovsky was one of the more memorable of those involved in the Capitol insurrection on January 6, 2021, due to his fur costume and potentially stolen police vest. In addition to dressing in a recognizable way, He was interviewed by the New York Post inside the White House as the riot was happening. Much of his garb was picked up off the floor, including several articles of police gear. Mostovsky is the son of New York State Judge Stephen Mostovsky, and he ventured from the state to Washington, D.C. by bus to break into the Capitol. Over 700 people have been federally charged with crimes related to the riot, and over 200 pleaded guilty. Mostovsky was one of under 30 criminals involved in the case to plead guilty to felonies. He will face sentencing on May 6th and will face at least a year in federal prison. He will also pay $2,000 in restitution. Four men were charged by federal prosecutors for their involvement in the death of actor Michael K. Williams. According to Mendelite Del Barco at National Public Radio, Williams' body was discovered in his apartment in September of 2021 with evidence that he overdosed on fentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. Williams was 54 and well-known for portraying Omar Little, a gay man who robbed drug dealers in the critically acclaimed HBO series The Wire. The men charged include Irvin Cartagena, who was recorded selling drugs in a hand-to-hand transaction just one day before the overdose. Hector Robles, Luis Cruz, and Carlos Macy were also arrested due to their involvement in selling the same heroin laced with fentanyl that killed Williams in the Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn. The men were arrested for selling the lethal dose of drugs to the actor, Several public officials said that Williams' death is continued proof of how the opioid addiction epidemic needs to be stopped. Prior to his death, he starred in Lovecraft Country, among other pieces of media. His family, along with his co-stars, took to social media to give their thoughts on his death. A Texas butterfly sanctuary closed itself to the public due to threats from a conspiracy group that are promoting a myth that the organization is part of a border sex trafficking ring. According to Reuters, the National Butterfly Center is along the U.S.-Mexico border in Mission, Texas, and filed a lawsuit against former President Donald Trump over his border wall plans. Trump's border wall would have cut through their property. It would harm wildlife's access to the nature preserve. The center's executive director referenced a few separate instances of conspiracy theorists acting inappropriately on the property or threatening the center. In one case, 
Reuters said two women demanded access to an off-limits region, claiming that they wanted to watch people cross the border on rafts. One woman baselessly accused the Center of Enabling Pedophiles and Child Sex Traffickers, while another lied about being employed by the Secret Service. In addition to these incidents, the Center also has been targeted on social media with false claims of human smuggling. That's all for National News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. This is Ellie Shannon for the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM. Tomorrow, on Friday, February 4th, the annual Shabbat 200 dinner will be taking place in CSU's Lori Student Center in the main ballroom. Today, I have Rabbi Gorelick and Haya Geltzer with me to answer some questions about the event. So first, can you tell me a little bit about what you do for the university and our local Jewish community, Haya? Yeah, so... Chabad is a Jewish organization that brings together Jews of all backgrounds, of all levels of Judaism, levels of religion together. Uh, We have a lot of different events. We hold Shabbat dinners. We hold Torah studies. We just function to bring as many people together as we can to educate, to give a supporting group of people. It's a great community. Sounds like it is. And before getting into the event itself, can you explain what Shabbat is and what it involves for Jewish people who observe it? Yeah, absolutely. So Shabbat is a kind of celebration of the day of rest. So when God was making the earth, he spent six days making everything on the earth, and then he had a last day of rest. And so he encouraged the Jewish people to also follow that day of rest. So on Shabbat, we have a nice dinner all together. We say a lot of prayers. We say a lot of blessings over various foods. And then we bring in a day of rest the following day until sundown. And you're supposed to remove yourself from kind of technology and be more focused on the Torah and um, have a day of rest from your typical activities. Rabbi, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, well done, Claire. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, we try to meet all the needs of the Jewish community, educational, social, cultural, to be home. And that's, as Chaya articulated, our main mandate. But also at the same time, we work really hard to bring a cultural awareness to the university as well. And that's uh, uh, the goal and objective of some of these larger scale events that we do, whether it's uh, Shabbat 200 dinner or Passover or some of the other events that we do. We feel it's important that people get to know Um, The Jewish community, just like they should get to know other segments of the population, even though we may be a minority group, you know, we bring an ancient quality to the the narrative and something that's that's all the more important uh, in these days. And that's the main goal of Shabbat 200, which is to showcase Jewish tradition and Jewish cuisine and um, cuisine. And we do it in a very fun way as well. It's providing the meanings. And uh, I think historically it's been a very popular event. Yes, I, I also agree with you. It's extremely important to have these dinners. And how does this Shabbat 200 dinner differ from other ones that have been held? Uh, this year in particular, we have a guest, Mr. Ed Warner, uh, who happens to be a very successful graduate of CSU and also a huge donor to CSU. So we are very lucky to have him with us for this dinner. And a huge thing about this dinner in comparison to others is that we are just coming out of the pandemic. So unfortunately, we were were unable to hold this dinner last year. 
um, because obviously we were in a much stricter situation, but uh, thank God now we are coming out of it. Everybody is coming together. It's really, really important to bring our minority groups together, um, especially when they've been isolated and separated by the pandemic. So this is going to be a really impactful meeting of people because uh, it's been so long and it's going to be so nice to have a community together once again. Yeah, that does sound amazing to have community together. And how long has it been since Chabad was able to put on a Shabbat 200? And what are you most hopeful for as the event returns? It's been two years. So last time it was held was uh, my freshman year, years ago. Um, and uh, what I'm most hopeful for is that people return to their community. They remember how much it means to be together with other Jews, um, how much support we can offer each other in times of celebration, in times of struggle. Um, I think it's going to be really important. And I really hope that people kind of come back to their Jewishness a little bit and um, continue to engage with Jewish events just even past Shabbat 200 dinner. Yes. And talking about Jewish events, how does this provide a way for non-Jewish people to learn about their neighbors? That's a great question. So this is a very educational event because all foods are introduced, they're discussed, all questions are attempted to be answered, um, and everyone is invited, including non-Jews. And so I think it's a great opportunity for people to learn all about different uh, aspects of Judaism. And then obviously there will be a lot of knowledgeable people there to answer questions and the rabbi is on top of his work. Well done, Chai. Absolutely brilliant. And we have booklets as well that explain everything. And uh, you'll see that uh, uh, we really do a good job in people who have never been before understanding, uh, not just understanding, but feeling, you know, part of it. Yeah, of course. And how can people RSVP to attend the event? Yeah. Uh, so there are posters posted uh, all over CSU's campus. There's also posters on our Facebook and on our Instagram page at Jewish CSU. And we have a link on there for people to RSVP. Perfect. And you were talking about Ed Warner, a special guest that will be attending the dinner tomorrow. Can you explain his role in the event and what he might discuss? Uh, Rabbi? Yeah, so, you know, tradition, and firstly, I, I must say that if people want to RSVP, they need to do it ASAP because we're getting such strong interest that at some point we're going to have to shut it down because of our commitment to the university and spots, et cetera, which will be sad. So, you know, get in there now. Uh, we've always tried to find a speaker that has excelled in, in, in her or his field, uh, whether that's been media, whether that's been Hollywood, whether that's been in, in the domain of sports, um, to, to really emphasise to, to both Jewish students and other students of minority that um, not despite their being Jewish, um, but because of their Judaism, um, they managed to rise to great heights. A lot of people today, because of the uh, um, the ugliness in today's narrative, uh, will have a tendency to try to hide their Judaism 
And we want to illustrate through these speakers that, look, look, they've gone on to great heights and you can do the same um, because of who you are. So we're trying to encourage people to celebrate uh, where they come from, what they stand for. And the message of these speakers that were traditionally brought has been very profound. And you're talking about Ed Warner, who's Jewish, the largest donor to the university. Um, they named a college after him, right? The Warner College of Natural Resources. He gave $30 million to this university. We think it's extraordinary and we hope he shares his message of resilience and, and, and hope and pride. That definitely is extraordinary. And I'm sure that everyone's very excited to hear Ed Warner speak tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And how does this event help the Jewish community at CSU grow? I think in general, just spreading the word, um, because a lot of students come to larger events like this. A lot of Jewish students come to events where um, it's a little bit more convenient. It's easier. It's on campus. Very obviously like the LSC in the middle of campus, um, it's explained, things are provided. And I think people feel comfort by the fact that there will be other students there like them who aren't necessarily involved in the Jewish community will be there joining for larger events. Um, so I think it'll be really helpful because students can see, can get a little taste of the Jewish community in Northern Colorado and hopefully we'll continue to engage in our events. All right. So what else do you have to add about the dinner tomorrow and Chabad as a whole? Well, Chabad as a whole is an excellent organization. I actually came in to CSU with no Jewish background, really. I mean, I'm born Jewish, but I had very little Jewish education. I had uh, minimal involvement in any Jewish community at home. And I came here and I was welcomed and I was taught and I would continue to learn and all my questions are answered. There's no judgment ever. So Chabad is an absolutely great organization that brings together people from all across the world. And about Shabbat 200, I strongly encourage everyone's attendance. I think it's a great event. I think we're going to learn so much. I think we're going to have a great time. I think that it'll be so nice to finally be together with people again and to uh, just to return to normalcy a little bit. Rabbi, do you have anything to add? There's not much to add to Chaya. She's an amazing president and doing such a great job with this as well. Um, yeah, we're just hoping to inject a bit of joy and um, happiness into what is definitely a difficult time that the world is going through, we're all going through, and we hope that Shabbat Hanji can play that role. Um, we do have other events on a regular basis and classes. Um, I teach philosophy of Judaism in the philosophy department and Registration for that uh, for the fall semester will be opening up soon. We're hoping to offer another happiness course that we do with the provost office as well. So there's there's lots going on, and you can find us all at Chay, say the different places on Instagram, Facebook, etc. Um, but yeah, please do sign up as soon as possible. Everybody is absolutely welcome, and we look forward to seeing you at seven o'clock. Hey, you want to tell the different places you can find Chabad? Yeah, so Facebook is Chabad at CSU. Instagram is at Jewish CSU. And then we also have email lists, email sendouts. So if you follow us on Instagram or follow us on Facebook and shoot us a DM, then we will add you to our email list. Well, tomorrow's dinner sounds amazing. Everyone should make it out to the Shabbat 200 dinner and hear Ed Warner speak. And you will maybe see Rabbi Gorlick and Haya 
Thank you so much both for being here with me today. Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed campus or local news with Ellie Shannon, be sure to check out our recorded episode by checking us out on Spotify at KCSU News or on the KCSU app. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports over 7,000 cases of COVID-19, with six new cases among staff and faculty and 36 new cases among students since Tuesday. Students and employees must be vaccinated or submit an exemption request in order to attend classes on campus. Larimer County reports a high-risk score for COVID-19, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports high levels of community transmission in the county. The county has over 71,000 COVID-19 cases, along with over 440 deaths. Larimer County reports a seven-day case rate of around 700 cases per 100,000 residents, a reduction of around 400 cases since last week. 94 COVID-19 patients are currently hospitalized, with intensive care units reporting that ICU utilization is at 107% of their typical capacity. In the past seven days, one in five COVID-19 tests came back positive in the county. Due to high rates of transmission, public health officials recommend the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people from outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the numbers of households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work options for employees where possible. The county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports 1.2 million cases of COVID-19 and over 11,000 deaths. Around 10.1 million vaccines have been administered in the state, and over 3.9 million Coloradans are fully immunized against the virus that causes COVID-19. Around 57,000 people are hospitalized in the state. The CDC reports over 75 million cases of COVID-19 nationally, along with over 888,000 deaths. Over 80% of people over the age of five have at least one dose of an approved vaccine, and community transmission is high nationally. I'm Kota Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate to submit vaccine results schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university.
And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to Tech News for Thursday. After consumer complaints alleged that Tesla vehicles were activating brakes at unnecessary times on trips, the U.S. safety regulators said Wednesday that they will review the complaints. According to Reuters, the issue, called phantom braking, was addressed by Tesla CEO Elon Musk in May 2021. Musk said that the cause may be one of their radar sensors in the vehicle, and that disabling it may prevent phantom braking. 107 complaints were reported to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, with about 70 complaints being sent in the past three months. Tesla recently recalled about 12,000 cars for false collision warnings caused by the beta version of its self-driving software, which also increased unnecessary braking. While the company is unaware of any accidents caused by phantom braking, Tesla acknowledged that it does increase the risk of drivers being rear-ended. The same beta software also had a fault in how it recognized stop signs, allowing some vehicles to skip through them. For the first time since its creation, Facebook lost daily users. According to Alex Heath at The Verge, Facebook parent company Meta reported that the site's user growth fell globally, with ad growth failing to meet goals as well. With both of these issues, Meta saw a 20% stock decrease. As other Meta platforms saw a lack of change in daily user numbers last quarter, Facebook saw a decrease in 1 million daily users in North America, likely leading to its advertising issues. While seeming small, the company dropped from 1.93 billion daily users to 1.929 billion. The company isn't losing significant profit as a result, with the Meta brand having made a $40 billion profit in 2021. Even with this profit, the company is investing heavily in Reality Labs and the Quest VR headset which does make a loss in profit of any kind a bigger threat. After Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pulled music from Spotify last week, David Crosby, Graham Nash, and Stephen Stills requested their music be pulled from the platform as well. According to Anastasia Tsulkas at National Public Radio, the musicians claim Spotify fails to stop creators from spreading misinformation about COVID-19 and its vaccines. The musicians claim that Joe Rogan, creator of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, spreads COVID-19 misinformation to a large audience thanks to Spotify serving as Rogan's exclusive platform for the content. Solo music from the artists, as well as music they created with Young, was pulled from Spotify at their request. After Young and other musicians began to criticize Rogan's content, it opened the door for musicians to address his racial comments last week in an interview with climate change skeptic Jordan Peterson. Vocalist India Airy and podcaster Mary Trump Both pulled their content from the platform as a result of both COVID-19 misinformation and those and recent racial remarks. That's all for tech news. And now for the weather. Temperatures are starting to warm up compared to earlier this week with sunny skies and a high of 22 degrees with a low of negative 6 degrees Thursday. Friday will continue getting warmer. Once again, a sunny day with a high of 34 and a low of 17. Friday will continue getting warmer. Once again, with a sunny day with a high of 34 and a low of 17. Saturday, some clouds will roll in with a high of 41 and a low of 20, and Sunday will be partly cloudy with a high of 37 and a low of 16. Monday, you can expect sunny skies with a high of 42 and a low of 26. Tuesday will be mostly sunny with a high of 46 and a low of 20. And for Wednesday, tune into our episode next Tuesday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now.
We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, Blendon Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you.